You're listening to The Souvenir Shop, a podcast about random objects from the past. Number 42. Two Puppets. Two Puppets. For our son's birthday in 2010, he received a very special present from his auntie, a collection of soft glove puppets from the puppet company of Hitchin, Hertfordshire. As happens with many childhood toys, some have unfortunately not survived the rigours of living side by side with a small boy and two dogs. But Mr Lion and Mr Fox are happily still with us, and during anxious moments when no one is around, they've been known to sit on each hand, eagerly discussing my problems. In 1965, my father built a plywood puppet theatre for my forthcoming sixth birthday party, and the week before, we went to Gamage's department store in London to buy the necessary Punch, Judy and Dog Toby. Gamage's of High Hoban is of course long gone, but to any boy under ten, it was the finest place on God's earth. Like other great names in London's West End, Swan and Edgar, Bourne and Hollingsworth and Whiteley's, Gamage's was a store which had seen better days. Unlike those stores, Gamage's wasn't simply shabby, it was odd, verging on eccentric. For example, all department stores have the usual furnishings, clothes, household wares and bargain basement. But only Gamage's had a self-contained magic department, where resting professional conjurers spent their days demonstrating elaborate tricks to customers. The layout of the toy department next to Magic was as chaotic as the rest of the store, so Mum asked the lady at the enquiry's counter if they stocked any Punch and Judy glove puppets. I beg your pardon, said the lady. Punch and Judy glove puppets, repeated Mum. One moment, she said uncertainly, as she picked up the phone. Hello, she said to the stockroom. Do we have any... Bunch and Gloody Jove Plunkets. Obviously, my family referred to them ever afterwards as Jove Plunkets. But our relationship with such trifling things as puppets was not always so benign. In the late 1950s, my father took my brothers John and Andrew to the annual Sooty and Sweep Christmas show at the Mayfair Theatre in the West End. The fact that they had front row seats came in handy just before the interval, when Harry Corbett announced that Sweep had been very naughty, what with squirting that tomato ketchup right in my eye, and now Sooty will need two little boys or girls as his new magician's assistants in the second half. Mr Corbett had barely finished the sentence before John and Andrew ran onto the stage. They introduced themselves, and during the interval they excitedly went backstage to be fitted with magician's robes and pointy glittery wizard hats, while seasoned pro Harry Corbett chatted with them. "'Can I have some of Sooty's offal dust to take home?' asked Andrew. For listeners who don't remember, offal dust was the magic ingredient used by Sooty to sprinkle on any trick accompanied by the magic incantation Izzy, Wizzy, let's get busy. You want some of Sooty's offal dust? said Harry Corbett indulgently. Yes, please. 
for my David Nixon magic set. Piss off, said the veteran entertainer and a national treasure. At the age of five, Andrew knew nothing about professional rivalry. He wasn't aware of any bad feeling, of how Corbett might resent David Nixon's successful crossover from children's magician to debonair personality and stalwart of What's My Line. The story remained a family anecdote for decades. The kind of story told in conjunction with the foul-mouthed Salvation Army bigwig trying to park his Rolls Royce. And it would have stayed that way were it not for my brother John. In the 1990s, John began writing a weekly column for the Saturday edition of the Times. It was the kind of journalism most people read on a weekend morning and instantly forget. The Gabby overfed hack complaining about overabundant choices of bottled water at Waitrose, or musing on how kids say the darndest things. To anyone who thinks this is easy money, you should have seen him climb the walls in despair on the day before a deadline, praying for something, anything to write about. On inspiration-free weeks, he would reach back into his childhood, and one day his laser gaze fell on that incident at the Mayfair Theatre. Even though there was no chance of litigation, because Harry Corbett was by now long dead, the Sooty Sweep and Sue Brands were still very much alive, and the following Wednesday a letter appeared in the Times from Matthew Corbett, Harry Corbett's son and successor as foil to his puppet friends. Harry Corbett loved children, the letter said. He spent the entire year looking forward to and preparing for his Christmas show at the Mayfair Theatre. Millions of kids of all ages adored him. John Diamond is sullying the memory of my father, he wrote. A great man whose death meant he was no longer in a position to defend himself. Plus, he never swore, especially not to children. Having knocked around the wilder shores of light entertainment myself, that final defence struck me as odd. I have encountered entertainers of all kinds, and the one thing that seemingly unites the entire profession offstage is a casual attitude to profanity. For example, I once fell into conversation with Stanley Unwin at some or other shindig, and he told me at length, in his normal voice, about his military service during the liberation of Europe. Unwin was a radio technician by profession, and he was seconded to the US Third Army to act as General George Patton's personal broadcast engineer, setting up his mic and PA whenever the great man needed to address his troops. What was he like as a person? I asked him, remembering the monster portrayed on film by George C. Scott. Oh, fucky horribold, replied Stanley after some consideration a response that may well be among the high points of my life. But what of Sooty? A quick Google revealed that in 1997, not long after Matthew Corbett's letter, Sooty, Sweep, Sue, and presumably Butch the Dog and Ramsbottom the Snake, were sold to a division of the Yokohama Bank of Japan. At first, this was a horrifying discovery, conjuring up images of Charles Foster Kane forced to abandon his toboggan to spend a bleak childhood with a desiccated merchant banker. 
But I needn't have worried. It was simply Matthew Corbett selling the intellectual rights to his puppets to ensure a comfortable retirement. And it all makes sense now. I can imagine the scene. Discussions were on a knife edge with the Yokohama Bank seeking assurances that Sooty and Sweep's professional image was timelessly squeaky clean, only for an article in the Times to land dredging up the senior side of their backstage reputation. I don't doubt that Matthew Corbett was genuinely piqued by my brother's story. Defending your father's reputation is an honourable thing. And even if it's true, an anecdote retold by John because he couldn't think of anything else to write must have hurt. Thankfully, Sooty's reputation and status as a national treasure, as well as the reputation of his creator, easily withstood the snarky reminiscences of a Times columnist. In 2017, Sooty was belatedly inducted into the Magic Circle. And in 2022, having long seen off his rivals, Pinky, Perky, Topo Gigio and Pussycat Willem, he celebrated his 70th birthday. The undisputed king of Jove Plunkets. That was Two Puppets, written and read by Matthew Diamond. If you enjoyed this, then please like, subscribe and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. And I'll see you next time.